Storm Bowling Products, the bowler's company, presents the Collegiate Spotlight with Coach K. Storm's technical director, Steve Klimkin, also known as Coach K, and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce you to a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us this week on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight is Lonnie Wallachek. Lonnie is a former Wichita State Shocker as he graduated from the uh, Wheat Shocker bowling team back in 1993. He's a two-time collegiate All-American, 91-92, and Lonnie's father, Paul, also started the Wichita State bowling program. Lonnie, I want to thank you for joining us today. Oh, I'm happy to be here. All right, Lonnie, well, I thought we'd begin with, with a simple question for you. What advice do you have for collegiate players, as yourself being one uh, Wichita State Shocker from 89 to 1993 what what advice do you have for people looking to bowl collegiately looking to bowl collegiately um uh, i think my advice is that you that these guys should be looking for the high school environment i think provides in most cases you know a typical house pattern you know for a, for most of their competitions and i know that there. are you know, there's a large group of kids out there, obviously, that, uh, you know, are sourcing out harder, you know, more challenging patterns. But that's the advice that I would be giving is to, you know, place themselves in those more challenging uh, lane condition environments so that they uh, can be a little bit, not just more prepared, but just a little bit more, you know, tuned in to where their, you know, their real skill level exists at. And then not only, I mean, and then beyond just the, from the competitive side, uh, I'd say, you know, keep your eyes open to the right fit for, you know, for you as an individual. I went to Wichita State, and right from the beginning, you know, I, I kind of knew that that, you know, that was my fit. My brother is seven years younger than me, and they were they were smart enough to know that Wichita State might not be the right fit for him, and he went to Saginaw Valley, and excelled and had a wonderful college experience so i think that's the uh that's the other issue too is finding uh finding the right um you know the right school for your particular personality now how much lonnie um from what you learned at, at wichita state how much of what you learned being part of the bowling program were you able to apply for you to become a, a pba national champion and become a successful professional bowler how much of that was was carryover into your professional career we learned an awful lot and um we got exposed to all sorts of um oh you know uh, uh, for lack of a better word just psychological training mental training um obviously a uh, pretty high level uh, physical training but the number one thing that I have always kind of tell people that I got out of Wichita State was that they really instill upon their players this idea that your learning is just ongoing, that your learning in bowling continues. And not just your learning in bowling, but your learning in all areas of your life. And I don't really ever remember Gordon, you know, saying that exactly, but you just get that out of the program, you know, because that's the way he is. That's the way the program, you know, continues even now, however many years later, you know, when I look at it, they're not doing the same things that they were doing when we were there. 
you know, they're doing things that that program has kind of evolved into. So I think if you're paying attention, that's one of the, you know, top things that you get out of going to Wichita State. So Lonnie, what was one of your favorite balls back when you were in college? I mean, that that 89 to 93, you're kind of in that urethane moving into reactive resin phase. Were you a blue hammer guy, a burgundy hammer guy? What was what was, <laughs> what was your go-to back in, in, uh, in college? You hit on both of them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I w- it, it was a uh, it was kind of that transition period, and uh, I threw. Uh, yeah, I had a axis weighted uh, blue hammer um, that was excellent. I had uh, a pin down, <laughs> pin down uh, thumb and positive burgundy hammer that was uh, that was pretty solid. It, can um, I find that layout in any of the more recent drilling guides? Is that the what you said? The thumb positive. What was that? Uh, yeah, thumb positive. Pin down, thumb positive. No hole. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was uh, those were kind of, that was kind of my the go to balls. I had a turbo too. I had a turbo that uh, that looked pretty solid in St. Louis a couple of years. But then now, uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, Lonnie. But I actually was a uh, was a victim of one of those bowling balls, that axis weighted blue hammer. Do you remember this, or going back to the, the showboat? Back when you, you were when Chris Barnes came into town for the, uh, for the oh, tournament? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we, uh, we had a couple of, oh, we of some, younger yeah, bowlers, we myself some. included, in the, uh, the pro shop there at the showboat, uh, Eric Handegard and myself, and, and we were convinced we could take down any double team in the nation. <laughs> and Lonnie... You and Chris Barnes came in, and uh, I think after going up three nothing, I think it was game over. And you schooled us pretty good there. So I, I, I definitely remember that Axis way to blue hammer. I can tell you that. That's funny. We did that a couple of times. I think um, we went to we went to Kansas City and bowled a mid states tournament there. We got in on a Thursday night, and that was the night that they had their big scratch league at NKC Pro Bowl. And Chris and I went in, and we wanted to bowl. Um, and uh, uh, Brian Goble and Greg Shields were kind of looking at each other like, you know, mm. should we take these? You know, should we take these kids' money? You know, is that you know is that fair of us to do this? And uh, they ended up hanging around after league. And um, it, you know, I was bowling Chris, so you know, how else was it going to turn out? And, and and Greg doesn't gamble. At all, we know Greg Shields. He's never, never been much of a gambler, right? Oh yeah, I, he's uh, he's been known to wait, make a wager or two. Hey, I got a, I got a question for you. You're talking about some of the other favorite balls. Give me a uh, maybe name off maybe one or two of your uh, favorite storm bowling balls of all time. I uh, I know being uh, being a rep for you out there for a couple of years on the PBA tour. Um, one of the balls that you that you did have a lot of success with was the La Nina. I know that was definitely one of them from from back in the day. Um, what, are, what are maybe another ball or two from the storm line or roto grip line that you found success with? The, uh, okay, so the La Nina during that series. Um, now, which was, the dark, which was the dark blue one, Steve? Was, it the, was there an El Nino that was like a particle-type ball? That was, that was the La Nina, and that was, it was a dark blue, and it, had, uh, it almost felt a little bit furry. You can almost feel in the yeah 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 that's okay yeah that's that was one yeah 
And what was the so what was the red one that was um, in that same line of balls? That um, uh, there was a trauma had, ER. That I think might you might have remembered the trauma ER. I think that was a ball you were you used that on your first telecast. I think it was actually. Okay, is that the one that I? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that that was that was one. I'm so bad at remembering these names. Um, now, date going back to. Uh, even before you were at Storm, Steve, um, what was that? Uh, it was a green ball. It was one of the first. It was, I mean, it was in probably the first two Ooh. generations of Storm balls. Real slow response ball. Um, Do you think of the forest fire? Yeah, forest fire. Yeah. Mm. I loved the that forest fire. The forest fire made me some dollar bills in the sweepers in Las Vegas. And uh, so, okay, and more recently, um, I- I'm in love still with the uh, the, the critical theory. It's, um, I mean, I have one in my bag um, always now, and I would choose that one over um, any other asymmetric ball. So what is your most memorable moment as a Wichita State Shocker, Lonnie? My most memorable moment, um, and there were many, <laughs> my most memorable moment came uh, the year before um, you got there, Steve. You came in what year? 92? 92. 92. Okay, so the, the year prior to that, in the championship match of the, uh, uh, the collegiate championships, we bowled, uh, we bowled William Patterson. And at that time, both teams were just stocked with really experienced and really savvy uh, college bowlers. I mean, guys that were you know out you know virtually every weekend bowling for a living, and uh, you know paying their way through school by bowling. Chris Vialli, um, I think they had Chris Vialli, they had Chris Soule, they had Dave mm-hmm. Carter, and I'm kind of forgetting the other the other two guys, uh, and we had um, Chris Barnes, Billy Murphy, a guy named Dan Dick, uh, myself, and Dave Garber. And in that match, I think it was a two game match. We um, we took a little a small lead, and then the second game was just back and forth, back and forth, and everybody was bowling pretty good and it was super intense and we caught a nice little break at like maybe in going into the seventh frame of the, the last game and I remember Chris Barnes I was in the three spot so I would have had uh, frame eight and uh, Chris gets up in my face and he says something real intense about get up there and get it done. And I struck, and then Chris struck, and it looked like we absolutely had it locked up. And although we were still only about a mark and a half up going into uh, that last frame. And Dave Garber did not make his best pitch. He kind of turned his thumb down a little bit and just took six through the middle which meant that Viali could get up, strike, and uh, get good count. 
and uh, and they would win. And anybody that ever saw Chris Viale throw a shot for or when he needed it knows exactly what happened. But it was it was just fun to be a part of a match like that, uh, even on the losing end. Mm, man, what a great story, yeah. So you can almost kind of feel the intensity just kind of right back there again, even though it was 20-some years ago, huh? Oh, I mean, it was, it, was a, it was just a wonderful experience, and everybody that, everybody that either was in the match or saw the match um, remembers it. That's cool. Hey, uh, you, just, you just came off of a, a big win, Lonnie. I think you just uh, beat some of the, I think the reigning player of the year, uh, Sean Rash, uh, to win. I don't know how many uh, PBA regional titles you have now, but you also beat uh, Chris Barnes, Rick Steelsmith, Mike Edwards. I mean, there's some, there was a, a very stellar field there. Uh, tell us a little bit about that win. It was. It was, um, it was a small field, but when you kind of looked across it, who was actually bowling, there's a lot of quality players in the building. Um, you know, I I uh, I pulled good. I had a good look the whole the whole weekend, but I was working on one thing in particular that I kind of kind of you know I'm not a hundred percent on it yet, but I think I've kind of made a little discovery about my game and then kind of how it translates into, you know, my own coaching when I'm looking at other people's games. And, you know, for a long time, I had been working on getting that ball down into the lane quick, getting it rolling, getting it reading the lane fast. And, <laughs> and you know, and I haven't had the greatest of success over the last four or five years. And so... I was at the World Series, and I was making good shots, executing just fine, but I can, just could not get the ball to go through the pins properly. And finally, like the last two games of the World Series, I go to option Z, which was to start lofting the ball a little bit. I mean, and, mm. you know, and it was option Z because there was so much oil on the lane. You know, there was tons of oil on the lane. And so, you know, you, I constantly, you know, you kept thinking, well, my ball's getting behind the head pin. So my pin carry stinks, and I need to get it rolling quicker. Well, it just wasn't, it wasn't working. So, so I threw, actually ended up throwing that critical theory and lofting it four or five feet down on the lane. And all of a sudden, pins are going everywhere. So the last two games... Uh, I see that, and I take that away from the World Series. And I start to think about it, and I'm thinking that the natural way that my hand turns down just a little bit at the release point, which makes my axis a little flatter, even though it's rotated, it's still flat, and that it's using up too much energy in that first four to six feet of the lane. And that by eliminating that first four to six feet of the lane, it's not using that energy. And, you know, this is what I practiced going into the tournament. And I'm telling you, Steve, I'm, I've seen pins go places that I haven't seen 
maybe ever. Mm. And I, I just, I think there's something to it. And I've kind of started thinking about what Mika's hand does at the bottom. Yeah. You know, he's, he gets plenty of rotation, but his axis is pretty flat. Yeah, it is. And, we, you know, when you're looking at that axis tilt, um, that's definitely yeah. a big component of ball motion. You know, you're not just the axis rotation, you know, which is the amount of side roll, but the axis tilt, which is, I think, what you're, you know, referring to, which is how, you know, how flat or, or how high that axis is tilted. Yeah. And, I mean, I've never kind of pinpointed that, you know. Uh, when I work with uh, Rick Benoit, he's always trying to get that, you know, get me to throw it a little bit more off my index finger, you know, off that index knuckle, which would mm-hmm. get that axis tilt up. And I've never really been any good at it. I, you know, I can throw it a lot of different ways, but I've never really been able to get well, that spot. So I can so sort I of can name I can name one other one other player who does have a very low amount of axis tilt that's that's had a little bit of success in bowling. Pete Weber. <laughs> yeah, he does. A little bit of success. So it might not might not be a bad idea to look that direction. Yeah. But anyway, so I I just, you know, I was kind of had that in mind, and I was, I practiced sort of just being able to control the distance of the loft, and uh, that's what I went with this weekend, and and um, I just had, I had good success, and then in the matches, um, I got lucky to, to get past Mike Edwards, and, and then I bowled. I bowled two really good games after that. I can tell you that I, I just by uh, how he, uh, you know, how he responded. I don't think Sean Rash thought he was supposed to lose that game. Final question that I just have for you is putting on your coaching hat. Since you said you 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 help out some players, but what is one kind of theme that you see among the people that you're coaching, whether it's kind of young or whether it's old? That, that kind of everyone needs to kind of work on these days. And, and I say, you know, maybe focus a little bit on the younger, you know, the high school kids. You know, is there one thing that you kind of see that always is, is happening that it's like, man, if, if, if you know, if I, it's a broken record of me saying this day after day to these, the, the, you know, to different kids? You know, I don't know that technically the thing that I all, that seems like I see just over and over and over again is just swings that get kind of behind the right hip a little bit from a start that kind of goes out, you know, kind of pops out to the right. And then that ball, you know, the weight of that ball just swings it behind the, behind the right hip. And it seems like kids I work with, I just see it over and over again. And so, you know, then the challenge is to, to get them to, get that ball a little bit more in line with the shoulder or maybe even a hair inside of it to start creating that proper figure eight motion. Can kids play straight these days if they need to? I mean, it seems like now so much emphasis is put on how much, how many revs you can get on the bowling ball, which there's a point for that in the game. But then you see guys like Norm Duke who take their hand out of the ball and just play straight up the lane, Walter Ray, for example, as well. And they've made pretty good careers doing what they do. So can kids, if they need to, is that something, I mean, that, they should be working on in college, but can kids still play straight if they need to? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> then that's probably kind of, that's probably falls under that, um, you know, that advice question that you, you had asked, you know, about being versatile, you know, being able to, um, 
play, you know, being able to do many, many things. And yeah, I, you know, the kids that I actually get to work with, um, I don't have too many high rev players that I work with, but that is obviously the trend everywhere you go with younger players. And I would say that I think, I think it's bowling's responsibility to demand that out of its competitors. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because as a kid, you know, you're just throwing the ball down the lane. And, you know, maybe you have a coach that's smart, and he says, you know what, there's probably going to be a time when you need to be able to do a whole bunch of different things. But if they never get that feedback when they go bowling tournaments, you know, from the, you know, the playing environments, then why would they ever try those things to begin with? So, so I, it's a two, it's a two way street, but I kind of see it as, as bowling's responsibility to, um, you know, to let its competitors know that they should, you know, have many, many tools. Yeah. Two, two, two comments on that, Lonnie. And then I got one final question for you. Um, coach Lewis, at Wichita State was always a huge proponent of being able to play straight. And I know he um, has worked with the team over a number of years and has always um, emphasized or stressed to, to, to be good at and be very skillful, being able to play straighter up the lane and take your hand out of it. And um, like you had mentioned, when you're a kid, I mean, you want to rev it up and you want to hook it. That just seems to kind of come natural. And uh, mm-hmm. I did see a video as well, too. There was a kid out of Cincinnati, 10-year-old kid, and change. He wasn't yet to his 11th birthday. He just shot 300 with a 16. He was 68 pounds. Did you see that 68-pound kid throwing a 16-pound bowling ball with two hands, uh, quite slowly, and shot 300. And uh, Don, was, was that, was, that yeah. was he throwing? The, was it a plastic ball that he was throwing? It was. A, it was a urethane. It was a 20. Looks like a 25-year-old uh, urethane ball. Probably like the same one, except for a different color that you beat. Uh, you beat us uh, with at the showboat, and uh, but yeah, sixteen pounds and two hands, and uh, and shot three hundred, you know, and definitely you know some of that's a result of of the lane conditions, and you know, proud as heck for him though. If you watch him on there, you can just see uh you know as far as oh. you know, his his father and the you know how happy and you know that's pretty pretty neat to see, and it is kind of floating around there on Facebook. I think is where I is where I saw that. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, hey, I got one question for you though. Before we go, one final question for me, and 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 Tim Berg might have a question for you as well there. But uh, regarding your uh, skills off the lanes, I haven't experienced it firsthand, but I hear that you are one heck of a caddy. Are you still caddying? And uh, and uh, you know, tell us just a little bit about your experiences as a caddy. I I do I do uh, I carry bags um, in the off season, and uh, we've got a uh, top fifty. Uh, course in my area called Flint Hills National. About six years ago, I started doing that during the off season, and the God's honest truth is, I love it, <laughs> and I'm kind of, you know, uh, I may have to give it up at some point, but I, you know, I'm not going to unless I have to. Uh, I just I enjoy it because um, I like golf for one. I like being on the, you know, in the that beautiful environment. And then I, I kind of like helping people. And so. You don't mind a little exercise along the way either, you know, which you do get when you're making that five mile trek. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I don't mind that at all. I mean, I've never, the, 
you know, hustling around is, you know, the golf course is not, that's not even really an issue for me. But the, I just, uh, you know, I think honestly, if um, I, I could, you know, in another life, I could see myself doing, uh, you know, being a professional caddy because it, it, it's just a, it's just kind of rewarding to, uh, you know, just do the work for the most part, but then on occasion, you know, offer that, offer that perfect read or, you know, or offer, you know, some little tidbit of insight that, uh, that your player might not be picking up on. Well, and Lonnie, there seems to be a direct relation between being a good bowler and a good golfer. I mean, I'm up here in Southern Oregon, so I uh, bowl at Caveman Bowl, which is Kevin Croucher, uh, PBA 50 star, uh, PBA uh, 50, you know, champion and such, and Chris Warren, who all, all they do is talk about golf. And I'm like, tell me, give me some bowling pointers. I don't want to hear about your guys' <laughs> golf game, but, but just talk about the correlation kind of between golf and bowling and, and some of the similarities. Well, I think the similarities are that, you know, with the actual execution of a, you know, one shot, you've got, you know, you've got rhythm and tempo and, you know, those things really, you know, that's a coordination that, uh, um, I think if you have a, you know, if you have that in, in one, you're probably going to get, you know, pretty close to having it in the other, um, obviously you know the same kind of uh repetition involved but i guess you could probably say that you know most anything and then i think other similarities are you know the fact that there's so much time in between each shot um so the psychological approach to you know any one given shot i think is is similar um uh and honestly like uh, visualizing a putt is quite similar to visualizing the path of uh, of your bowling shot. Well, Lonnie, it was great catching up with you. This was fun. Um, we're going to have to do it again soon. And, and by all means, if there's ever anything where you want to just come on and, and chat with us about collegiate bowling and anything we can do to help you out, please uh, shoot shoot us a, a note, and we'll be glad to have you back on. You mean I don't have to? Uh, I don't have to win a regional to uh, <laughs> get to come back on. Well, I mean, if, I, if if you have a regional with with the the stars that were in the one that you were in, I mean, that looked like a PBA pro you know a pro pro event basically out out there in Wichita. Okay, well, if I I'll uh, if I make a top eight or something, I'll give you guys a call. Well, I, I can tell you for sure. Next time we have you on, I do want to dig in a little bit more uh, into your uh, approach uh, to physical fitness. Oh, so that's something that's important to you. Absolutely. Something we didn't really touch on today. And I think it's one of the key reasons uh, that helps you beat guys like Sean Rash um, and helps you, you know, be so successful as you've been over the years. Um, so I, I definitely would, I think we could almost cover an entire show just on that, just on physical fitness. I would love to do that. I would love to do that. <laughs>